It's it's awkward timing. I you know what? I'm I'm coming to hate this seasonal uh the seasonal anime um <laughs> cadence. It's just so fast and like <laughs> it's so fast and like because um you get the like the the um end of the season and then the beginning of the next season it's like a one two three punch of like we have to do the wrap-up and then we have to do like whatever episode we were planning anyway and then we have to do the the sampler and it's just oh finding time to record all of this is honestly like the hardest part (laughs) because it's just like Renu, I, I I need to occupy another another like two hours of your time um this week. Uh, it's chaotic. And I gotta do it next week too. And then the week after that. And that happens every like three months. Yes. It's funny because like um we switched to doing the, the monthly episodes, but um I feel like I feel like the amount of episodes that we do is still pretty comparable to when we were doing it every other week. Like we're missing like maybe like we're, we're missing like maybe like two less like uh, every like season cycle episodes, mm. um, which I think is pretty funny. <laughs> it is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Seasonal just like takes up a lot of uh, a lot of time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the AtCast, a podcast for the study of modern visual culture. I'm your wanted mushroom terrorist, Soup. <laughs> and I'm your friendly neighborhood panda sensei, Renu. <laughs> this week, AT stands for Absolute Territory because we'll be wrapping up the winter 2022 season. But before we get into that, what have you been up to? I have been prepping for SakuraCon, which is next week. Whee! Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. I saw, I saw that it was, uh, is coming up. Um, and it's I saw coming. that the cons are are kind of opening back up again. Um, I have a friend who plays D and D with us uh, every mm. Friday, and um, they have been uh, in in the con um, crunch, so to speak. Ah, yeah. Um, this at, at least for SakuraCon and the other conventions that I went to. Um, Last year, they had very limited acceptance. For, so basically, they had limited amount of tickets that you could buy. Um, and I know SakurCon's already sold out. Um, yeah. So there's tracks. a ton of interest for it. But also, I think they're by they're trying to obviously manage during uh, the pandemic. So um, they're trying to limit the amount of people who can actually attend, mm-hmm. which is good. So um, help keep everyone safer. Um, yeah. I have... Uh, just been preparing for that. I got a new printer yesterday because my old one decided that it wanted to stop printing the color red. So that's always huh. convenient. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that sounds about right. Printers can smell fear. Yes. Uh, every time a convention comes around, my printer decides to have a meltdown, and it's like, all right, well, I haven't even started using you yet, and you were you were you were having a panic attack. So. I got a new ah! one. It's shiny. It's brilliant. It's it's an upgrade from my old one. It has like a touch screen on it and it has like a little oh, output tray that like moves out by itself when it's printing. Oh it's, my it's, god. 
I know. And it's got a scanner on it, which I didn't have before. So Oh yeah. Um, That's honestly yeah. like a scanner is like fifty percent of why I need a printer. And the <laughs> other fifty percent is because like I'm like kind of an old person and mm-hmm. I like to read things like in, in physical form. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it helps me with my like w- with my extremely messy brain because I can like like just like pick it up and look at it and like do whatever I'm doing on the screen. I can prop it up. So yeah, I also like me. physical books over like I don't know reading. Yeah, stuff on I mean I I um I feel like I'm like the printer advocate in my house. Everyone else is like <laughs> I don't really need a printer. I don't think, and I'm just like no, I need a printer. I need a printer. <laughs> Um, so I like it. It, it, and it prints faster, of course, which is oh, really God, important. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Um, our our so. current printers print really slowly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, burr, 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 burr. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's essentially what I've been up to. And I'm sure next time I record, I'll have a lot to tell about SacroCon now that Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Yep. What have you been it, up to? Yeah, uh I I've been up to oh geez, that's a good question. Oh my god. <laughs> Do I even remember the last couple of weeks of my life? It's always <laughs> it's always funny like once we clear the like backlog of um like so basically um we were talking about this a little bit before we we actually started um recording and stuff, but like um episodes always like pile up during the the end and beginning of seasons because all of the the stuff we have to coordinate watching it every week and then we have to make sure that you know we record and then um i have to take the the recording and edit it and put it up and god it's just it gets so messy the seasonal stuff um we have to do the trailer watches which i i just i don't know what a good time to do the trailer watches ever is anymore <laughs> but um <laughs> It's funny because like when we do those the, the those sets of episodes, it's like a one two three punch, right? Um, it's it's always like we get um, like three weeks of we we talk to each other and we record like so it's like a three week recording like set, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. we don't talk and then we don't like I mean we talk to each other obviously because we watch anime together, right? <laughs> but uh, and we play Ace Attorney together, so like we you yeah. know. We're up. We're we up talk to weekly. Yeah, we, we talk like really. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty often. But um, for the podcast sake, at the very least, like um, it's funny because we do we go like one week at a time for like three weeks, and then we just like don't record for like a month. Yeah, <laughs> and we're like, what happened? Oh, geez, I don't know. I'm going, like the thing is that everything that we we talk about just kind of leaks out when we we do like the um the ace attorney streams and stuff because we're just like oh yeah this happened to me today yeah yeah uh, right <laughs> yeah um, it feels kind of weird to try and save things for the podcast you know like oh i have a story i want to tell why don't i just say it to soupy now versus yeah like, right exactly it during the podcast <laughs> it's the uh it's the eternal curse of of making content you're like oh i should save this like why though yeah <laughs> How- right <laughs> I mean, it's a little easier for me, at least, because, like, I can't save anything, because if I do, I will forget it, so I might as well just say <laughs> it immediately. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I, I can't, feel that. you know? Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's always hard for me to remember what, what I've been up to. I feel like I've been in a daze. Mm. You know what? That, that's what I've been doing. I, mm. I think I've been hibernating the last two weeks. I... Um, <laughs> I've been doing that thing where I just like I'm not even really on my computer. I'm like 
sitting on the couch for like six hours just reading like really trashy isekai manga. <laughs> that sounds so like you. <laughs> yeah. And like I, I do that for like days. And like that's just how I uh that's just how I recover. I think because because I have um I wrapped up a bunch of projects, um, uh-huh. like a bunch of, uh, I was like really, really stressed and like yeah. it kind of just all came back to me and I was just like, I don't want to do anything. I want to stop existing <laughs> for a while. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's funny because like I, I have been, um, as a result, right. Um, that process is very like, it's very creatively generative for me, um, or like regenerative, I guess. Um, cause I like have been thinking so much also about isekai, like again, <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> you're back in it. <laughs> yeah. Which like, obviously, you know, there was a, a period of time when, um, I would just, I would just bring it up constantly. I would talk about isekai constantly. Right. Um, and I feel like, I feel like the more that I read isekai, the more I kind of like, um, the more I discover about it, like, um, I realize that what draws me to isekai is like, I like read isekai for the same reason that people read like trashy romance novels. Like it's so like, it's so ridiculous and predictable and silly that it's like really comfortable. So like, because you know what, what the general trajectory of an isekai story is going to be like, it's like. You know, it, it's it's familiar, it's comfortable, it's like a routine. Um, mm-hmm. So that's um, that's what I've been up to. I've been I have been thinking a lot about isekai, um, and I think there there has to come a certain point when I just like write all this stuff down in like one place, um, and, and just like do something with it. Um, but um, who's who's to say? Anyway, I uh, I have read like way too much stuff um in the last like two weeks um (laughs) like way too much stuff and like Uh the thing is that it's not it's not like um because i wasn't reading it right with the intention of doing anything with it um it was really nice and i got to just like essentially turn my brain off (laughs) yeah. <laughs> which I like really need sometimes I really need to turn my brain off sometimes yeah um, we all need that <laughs> but um yeah uh, I did read I, I did end up reading um Fantasy Bishoujo Juniku Ojisanto which um oh. <laughs> uh I thought was pretty was pretty good uh-huh it was really interesting because like um the chapters are really short, which is not super oh. common for, uh, uh, which interestingly not not that common for um, isekai fiction. Um, a lot of them tend to have um, like longer chapters in the forty to sixty page range. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, pretty sure I'm pretty sure fantasy uh, bishoujo is like um, is literally like twenty page uh, chapters. Like I saw that there were like a hundred twenty some chapters, and I was like, oh my god, there's like so much of this. Um, and then I went through and I read and I was like, oh, actually, like, a lot of this, actually, most of this is, is covered by the anime. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I did, I did enjoy the, um, the original art style a lot because it looks like the anime, but, like, um, there is, like, an interesting kind of, um, I don't know what it is. It, it might, it might be the way that the, the artist, um, shades. But um, there's like a really like interesting physicality to the to the art style that um, is not apparent in the anime, um, mm. but is is you can see in the um, in the manga, uh, but only sometimes, right? It's only mm. like when you have uh, like 
um they're like um they're like sakuga shots right (laughs) oh (laughs) yeah but like you know anyway um so yeah that that's pretty much honestly what i what i've been up to other than that everything else is pretty inconsequential been doing um the streams um i i have been meaning to like start streaming like on my own again um but uh again like i said i I just had to go through a period of um really just kind of hibernating and not doing anything i think i think i'm getting to the point where um around to the point where i um will want to start doing things again i can feel the the pull of of isekai waning (laughs) (laughs) i mean we always like after a while of like unplugging and whatnot, we we kind of like start getting restless to to do something again, you know. To, yeah, to I mean, <laughs> God, whatever. God knows, I can't not be doing anything, right? Right. Yeah, um, but it was it'll come was, back around. Nice. <laughs> it was nice to only vaguely have some responsibilities uh, for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So ready to ready to start making stuff again. Yep. A little, little little vacation. Um, ready to start uh, overworking myself again. <laughs> oh my god, you gotta balance uh, stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I I have um I've uh, basically um I I am taking less work concurrently. Um, I'm okay. I'm trying not to take projects on if I have if I have something going on already. I don't want I don't want too much going on. Um, but yeah. So that's what I've been up to. Do you want to talk about some anime? Always. <laughs> nice, nice. Um this was an interesting season because I feel like um a lot of stuff uh it was it was kind the list was kind of short this season, I feel mm-hmm. like. Um but a lot of the stuff that we ended up watching was like really good. It was really good, yeah. So, um it felt this is this is like kind of what I want, right? Um I want like uh an um, a, a reasonable amount of shows that I can keep up with that are that are good, right? That I want to be watching and that feel mm-hmm. uh like engaging to me. Um right. I like I like cuz like I like when um I like when I have a couple of things I can sink my teeth into rather mm-hmm. than feeling like there's so much stuff out there that like I should probably be watching that like I just I feel like I can't keep up with all of it. Um, I mean, yeah, maybe if course. I wasn't maybe if I wasn't working a day job, right, uh, I would be <laughs> able to to keep up with all the anime. But like, yeah, there's there's no way there's no way. Right. We're, um, we're at the point of preferring quality over quantity there's there's no shortage of content that we could be watching and so at this point we have to be really choosy about what we watch yeah well i mean it feels like there's just been so many good shows recently i I want them to like i want them to focus down a little and just have like you know what flood flood the the season with trash again that's that's my plea to you wait why (laughs) so we have fewer shows to watch yeah so we don't have to watch it Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Uh let's talk about Princess Connect Redive Season 2. Um this was interesting because it was um it felt uh a lot more like Konosuba than season 1 did. Oh, 100%, yeah. <laughs> um and part of that has to do with with some of the staff that worked on uh on this which um were staff that worked on on Konosuba, uh, especially mm-hmm. season 2 of Konosuba. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you want, if you want some some Konosuba esque shenanigans, like uh, Princess Knight is is probably right up your alley. Um, the I will say the like the set pieces um, and the like the uh, fights that they set up feel so good to watch. <laughs> like they, I they fucking went nuts with the animation yes. this season. Yes. <laughs> They Which, really, really stepped it up. It's like if you already liked season one, you're gonna have your mind blown in season two with the animation. At least they, they did. They went like out of their way yes. to put more animation in. Yeah, like there's like um, there's uh, small fights, like one one v one fights. There's like uh, bigger fights. There's like these like um, uh, like kind of army kind of fights. There's like uh ensemble fights where like you know people are uh, fighting each other in like small groups it's like and it's all of it is just more technically impressive even than mm-hmm. like last season which yep. was like already pretty impressive mm-hmm. so um yeah like they play with the with the camera a lot more and mm-hmm. i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that um at least the um, at least the Princess Connect team, um, whoever was was you know uh, doing the animation. I think um, the in general the use of three D and like CG has gotten like a lot better in anime, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Like um, even if you just kind of ignore uh, where you see it most egregiously, which is like um, in like uh, using it to model characters, and uh, it feels <laughs> really weird and stiff in comparison uh-huh. to the two D animation, right? Yeah. Um, one of the advantages of 3D is that um, you can really play with the, um, you know, um, the environment and how dynamic that can be. It's actually, um, I watched a video about, um, like, sort of um, Disney movies in um, the, like, 90s and 2000s, right? And they, like, um, came up with the, the, the technology that would allow them to, like, create 3D environments and then people would draw over them for, for Tarzan. Um, and if you watch it, mm. it absolutely still holds up. It's, it's absolutely gorgeous, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of like that where um, people are more willing to use um, these really extreme uh, camera angles and camera movements um, because of, like, the, the integration of, like, 3D and CG technology um, into anime. Yeah. Especially mm-hmm. on like on the ground, right? Not just like you know big b- bajillion dollar studio, but like um you know everybody in, uh, is kind of getting more access to it, right? Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff is um it's really prominent and really evident when you look at a show like this, which um suddenly the spaces feel a lot more uh grounded. Hmm. Yeah. I um. I I'm just really impressed by how much they improved season two in basically every aspect over season one of this show. Yeah, yeah, they um, they ramped up pretty much everything. Yeah, and I it's it's pretty rare to kind of see that happen. Generally, I feel like the trend is that season two of a show will kind of be a shadow of season one in a way. Um, yeah, or just yeah. it'll just be more of the same, you know. Um. But uh, in this case, I would highly recommend watching season two if you already liked season one, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I think what's what's really impressive to me is um, 
like they ramped up all of the the comedy they ramped up all of mm-hmm. the animation they ramped up the fight scenes and they have like this grander more epic sense of scale this like mm-hmm. really weighty punchy um uh combat animation which looks really good um it, yep. everything looks really impressive but like one thing that they actually like really really nail in um in season 2 is a lot of the more subtle quiet moments yeah um, like <laughs> Um, I think I think it's the work of like one animator, but um, you can tell in moments when they want you to feel a certain way, like the mm-hmm. really quiet um, uh, character moments. The character animation is so detailed and so mm-hmm. good about um, really driving home like the emotions, and like that's not something that people usually pay that much attention to. I find right. They mostly want the writing to kind of um to kind of carry that that sort yeah. of emotion stuff, um, right? But like when when you're able to um display that kind of stuff visually, like when um there's like a scene when uh when Pecorine is like eating a rice ball, and like the the like care and attention that goes into like the weightiness of like crying while like scarfing down uh, <laughs> a, 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 you know a rice ball is like. It it actually like really works emotionally um in a way that's like super impressive because most people don't really bother with that kind of stuff, right? It's like they want the Sakuga moments to be like um like the fight scenes or whatever, but like pretty much everything is like really solid in Right. Uh, yeah. Two. It it could have easily been one of those shows that all of the budget and the time and the animation uh production was funneled into the action scenes because it is like an action rpg type of story um but uh the fact that they paid such close and special attention to these little quiet moments is what really sells the emotional story that is you know behind all of the action and and the story in general it's um it really sells you on the emotions of the characters because they pay a lot of attention to animating their really subtle changes in expression and um the lighting especially is so good (laughs) yeah yeah all of the all of the technical aspects are super super impressive like the lighting the like compositing um Mm -hmm. even just beyond like the proficiency of the animators you can tell like the technical staff had uh, a lot to do with how good this show looks yes Mm -hmm. yeah so um, if you uh, if you liked season one or you were interested in season one uh, or you like Konosuba, I would highly, highly recommend um, giving this show a shot. And I would highly recommend watching season two and really paying attention to those to those like quieter emotional moments, because they're honestly some of the better ones in an anime that isn't necessarily about that. And they they do it better than a lot of anime that are trying to be about like serious emotional moments. Um, <laughs> <Yep>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, like the pacing of this season is like just a little bit weird because like like it's not bad per se, but it ends like um ha- like pretty much like halfway through the season. It feels like the season ended. Like yeah. there's like a climax, and like it feels yes. like that was the last episode. And then they just give you like what feels like another season of anime. It's like, insane. <laughs> and like it's not even like 
bad, right? It, no, it's not no, like no. badly paced like um like uh the last season of Promise Neverland was where they crammed <laughs> like 180 chapters into like 12 episodes and you're like what the fuck did you do? Um, yeah, it feels like for Princess Connect they had a good amount of story that they were able to tell in a concise way for the first half of the season. And they were like, okay, let's tell the next part of the story. And so you just jump into the next part of the story. <laughs> yeah, and then and then it just like fucking fucking kind of delivers. It's good. Yeah, yeah like, it, it was amazing. It's a really well put together anime. Honestly, like as far as like fantasy anime goes, like, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, there is some, I, I, I feel like there is um, a lot of this show that is um, probably enhanced by knowing the, the source material really well. Uh, because, you know, I think this is the case with any sort of gacha adaptation, but a lot of the times you're going to end up with, um, characters that are there that show up because they're, um, you know, they're fan service. Um, you know, characters that, Mm -hmm. uh, have episodes around them, like surrounding them that like people are going to understand if they know the source material, but like, it's going to be a little bit more confusing if you, if you don't, but I think it's not too terrible like princess connect obviously um stands on its own um because we're speaking very highly of it and uh you know we've never played it um Mm -hmm. but um yeah i feel like it does a good enough job and it like it obviously plays those um those stories uh oftentimes for laughs and they are funny right um they they do a really good job of of conveying how how um comedic those moments are like i think like there may have been like a little bit more they could have done in terms of building it up into a more cohesive um kind of story uh overall but sure. like for for what it is i think it it works pretty well especially for how big of a of a gacha cast that um yeah. and any side games property really is going to have like <laughs> like that's the thing about grand blue fantasy it's like um even for somebody who's been playing for a really long time they they'll introduce a new character right and um, there'll be a new, uh, like a brand new character that uh, has never been uh, mentioned before, and they'll like you know introduce them in the gacha pool and stuff. And after a couple cycles of that, you just you begin to realize that there are some characters you see, and you're just like, who the fuck is this? I don't remember I, I, this character <laughs> being in the game. Right. I would say that if I were to look for something that to criticize about Princess Connect, it would be the fact that even though it's such a competent, well done show, there are some characters whom I just didn't remember from the first season who make an appearance in the second season um, because it's been a while since we watched the first season. And so I would say that if you haven't picked up Princess Connect yet and you decide that you want to watch both seasons um, or at least try them out, I would watch them in a rather short amount of time between them. Like I wouldn't put like, I wouldn't wait like a whole season or whatever between one and another because you might forget some of the cast. So um, yeah, that, yeah. that th- I will say that like um, the main cast is fleshed out pretty well. Yes, um, and yes. after that, they are mainly relying on the primary characteristics of a, a cast of gacha characters, which mm-hmm. you know um, is inherently going to be a little bit flatter than um, yep. the characters that you've been developing and and mm-hmm. uh, experiencing the story with. Um, but I think yeah. it's. Um, at least for the main cast, they do they do them a lot of justice. They oh yeah show um, a lot of the kind of conflicts and emotions that they have. 
Um, I would say the only person who really doesn't get a lot of fanfare is is Kokoro. Um, yep, I agree because <laughs> she's just kind of she's just kind of there to to vibe. Um, mm-hmm. And season like seasons one and two are really about you know Pecorine and and mm-hmm. Carol, which by the way, like there's so much. <laughs> Mm-hmm. This, is, this is one of those things right there's so <laughs> much homosexual tension between these two fucking characters and they're just like oh you're like this sister i've never had and it's like <laughs> i don't and it all I comes don't, crashing down <laughs> i'm just like i don't know what sibling like relationships are supposed to be like or how they're perceived over there but i'm pretty sure that this is not what it looks like i'm pretty sure that these two want to kiss each other it's um, like that 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 one show, the other side games property that we watched, where it was that yeah, girl yeah, yeah. and then the dragon girl, right? Like, like I could see them pulling the whole, oh, you're you're like my best friend, you're, you're like an older friend. sister I never had, and it's the same vibe that they give for Pecorine and Carol. But my god, yeah, my god, <laughs> do they play it up though? Holy, like, okay. <laughs> At the very least, you know. um, we did not go into this being like, oh yeah, they're like gonna kiss each other, right? right because right, we right. know we know that this is like, you know, it's a gacha game adaptation. It's it's a Japanese anime. It's not. It doesn't have the Yuri or Shoujo eye tag on it, right? It's not going to be that. Um, so obviously, it's not like we were disappointed, right? Mm-hmm. Because we weren't expecting it. But it was just, ex- it's just sometimes like, um, like when you see like queer baby media, it's just like sometimes you, you get to a point where you just kind of laugh because of how like blatantly gay two characters yes. are for each other. Yes. Right. They're, they're like, they're literally just like crying and holding each other and saving each yeah. other and like um, being inspired by each other that they would die for each other. <laughs> like the, literally the, the conflict at the end of this season is, is, um, is Carol being torn between uh, two people she like really really cares about, and they're both women? And she's just it's, like, it's... and then she's just like, no, I don't like this. Pecorine, save me! And she's like, I'll save you, bestie. It's one of those things where I feel like this happens a lot, whether it's Japanese media or Western media or whatever. It's when a story is written in such a way that they're trying to portray friendship. But they write it like a romance. And yeah, yeah. to the point that like there are some times where there'll be like a rivalry or a friendship that's center stage of the story. But then there's also a romance that the protagonist is is courting on the side. And somehow the chemistry between the main lead and their rival character slash friend character is a lot stronger than the, with the romantic lead because they they conflate the two. They they don't know how to write one um, differently than the other, I would say. Um, yeah, and yeah. And so that's see, how it kind of feels in this sense. See, that's the thing, right? Is that, like, I, I am, like, convinced that, mm-hmm. one, straight people don't know what romance is. <laughs> And two, I'm convinced that, that as a result, they, they can't write it except for on accident, right? Okay, so complete tangent, absolute tangent. But I have been, so I've been watching, um, just like idly, um, watching a lot of reality, uh, 
like TV shows uh, recently because because my fiance is watching them and I'm hanging out in the living room reading manga and so I kind of like just like by osmosis absorb a lot uh-huh. of um, a lot of these shows and they're all like Netflix like dating shows um, we uh-huh. watched um, Love is Blind which is a it's fucking wild premise for a show um, because they take a bunch of people who uh, want to be married but uh-huh. are single. Uh-huh. And they basically put them into a blind dating scenario where they can't see the other person. They can only talk to each other through walls, like, a, uh-huh. like a, a, an opaque wall, right? And then um, they have to choose. And if two people choose each other at the end of, like, I don't know, it's like two weeks or something, then they um, go through a trial engagement. And then if they decide they want to be together after that, they get married. And that's mm-hmm. the show, mm-hmm. right? Um and that was kind of like okay, all right. But then we started watching this uh, this other reality TV show um, hosted by the same people. I don't remember what they they're like some celebrities or something. They're married or whatever. I don't care. Um, called um, oh shoot, what is it called? Oh, I, I don't remember. But it's uh, the premise is um, oh maybe it's called the ultimatum. Is that what it's called? So it um, the premise of that show is that there are um, a bunch of people who uh, are dating each other, like they're couples, right? And they come onto this show. Because uh, one of them has dragged their partner onto the show because they've given them an ultimatum, right? And um, oftentimes it's like, you know, um, like, you know, we want to be in a relationship with each other, but there's just some stuff we can't agree on. And mm. as a result, you know, we're um, having trouble, like, moving into uh, the engagement um, stage of our relationship or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And um, that show was fucking bonkers. <laughs> because um what happens is um after uh, so uh, once they all come out of the show they all get broken up um and they um essentially just mingle with each other and they um find somebody else to uh essentially go through a um a mock marriage with for like 2 weeks and then they do a mock marriage with their original partner right the person that they were dating before they came out of the show um and they basically ab test it to see um, if they can resolve their issues or whatever, and this show is so unhinged. And I'm um, the the shit that comes out of these people's mouths. I'm like, none of you know what romance is, and none of you know what being in a relationship is is supposed to be like. You're all damaged people. I'm so afraid for you. <laughs> well, I think a lot of what it is is that um, a lot of these weird romantic stereotypes that don't necessarily translate to romance are perpetuated. And then therefore that's why a lot of these kind of poorly written romances are perpetuated out into, I mean, particularly straight media, right? Because that's the most popular yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah. Avenue. Um, and it's such a shame because I feel like there is obviously like a ton of people who can write competent romances, but they're not picked up for these kinds of shows or whatnot because right, yeah. they don't hit the 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 flags for all the entertaining factors that um, I think is in popular television or whatnot. A, a large part of it, yeah, I, I think has to just do with um, just the fact that, like, it feels like it is... It's funny because, like, on one hand, um, it feels like romance is kind of, like, looked upon as this kind of side thing that just exists. Um, mm, and it's not yeah. really treated seriously. Right, right, right. It feels like it has to, it, it is there just because it has to be, which I think yeah. 
is what leads to having um, romances in non-romance media that feel really flat and boring yes. and bad. Yes. And then, like, mm-hmm. they're juxtaposed with, like, the characters that are actually, like, written to be, like, interacting with each other and, like, um, engaging with each other. Yep. And mm-hmm. that dynamic is always inherently going to be more interesting and yes. more compelling and more engaging. And you're yes. like why would you ever date this person? You're obviously in love with this person because like, yeah, <laughs> right. like, the thing is like, if you spend every waking day of your life and every hour of, of that time thinking about somebody else, like it's a, it's a little, little bit romantic. Like just like just a little bit. Like there's something like something there in like kind of a gay way. Like, which isn't to say that um, I think it is impossible to write stories about friendship that are very deep and go beyond. Of course, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Um, what we kind of traditionally think of as like a, a friendship, um, mm-hmm. like because you know to say that would be to to be like, um, oh, you know, like romance is a deeper relationship than friendship, and I don't think that that's true, right? No, I think that a friendship... it's a different type of relationship, and I think that's where right. things I think... get messed up. <laughs> I, I think that's that's the thing about that that dynamic, which is like, yes, um, and why it's so often a uh, sort of byproduct of queer bait media is just the fact that people are like oh this is what it means to be very deeply in friendship with each other right and and then they're like no actually wait like that that's kind of like what it like they just do it in such a gay way do you know what i mean like accidentally creating gay that's what that's exactly what it is though and then that's what i think we're both trying to say is that they accidentally write these characters who are meant to be friends romantically because they want to show the depth of their relationship but the only way that they are conveying that depth is through a very romantic lens <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that must that must be it. it it just must be that like um people just can't conceptualize of friendship in a deeper way that doesn't involve um these like romantic feelings cuz i think right. it is i think it's really possible right and it's funny because like, we're we're about to talk about um about ranking of kings and mm-hmm. i think ranking of kings does a a really great job of showing like a super deep friendship between two yes. characters without it having mm-hmm. romantic connotations right mm-hmm. like the relationship between um boji and kage is like really deep and really important and has absolutely zero romantic uh implications one because <laughs> you know they're children um <laughs> But, like, which isn't to say that, like, children can't have, like, um, romantic implications. Um, God knows so much, like, media is like, uh, I'm going to marry you when I grow up and we're childhood right. friends. And then, like, 12 years later, it's like, do you remember that promise we made when we were in the fifth grade? I'm like, no? Why? But, um, but yeah, I, I think I, I distinctly think it is possible. And I I think there there are shows where that is the case. And... It's just so funny to me whenever we just get, like, two girls who are supposed to be friends, um, and it's just extremely gay. (laughs) I think it has to do um, a little bit with um, the way that uh, that, um, relationships are conceptualized um, in in Japan. And I know this isn't, like, unique to to Japan. Um, Obviously, you know, like, queer rape media exists everywhere, um, and... God knows we have like a lot of Western shows with a lot of queer baiting, but I think what's <laughs> funny is that Western queer baiting tends to be about um, two men, whereas mm. um, whereas Japanese mm-hmm. queer baiting um, is generally about about two women, right? Mm. Um, or in the case of sports anime, it's about two teams of boys that really just want to 
kind of get in there. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. But, <laughs> but uh, I feel like I feel like there must be an element of um, of like the shoujo s classification um, in Japan and the amount of like relating to each other that is appropriate in um for for women in japanese society that um is maybe similar to the way that we kind of conceptualize of things here but not necessarily the same i think like and this is um this is such a such a long tangent but like i th- i think it has something to do with the kind of social expectations of of men and women right there mm-hmm. is really only a couple of situations in which it is okay for for men to be intimate with each other and like being romantically involved with each other is not even not even one of them uh in the west like we we still look down upon that as like you know like oh nasty right but um because of uh because of like homophobia right we have a society mm-hmm. in which it is not okay for for men to be vulnerable with each other um we have a society in which it is not okay for men to touch each other um mm-hmm. because any any touching is like perceived in a in the kind of romantic sexual <laughs> way right you, you got to be 5 feet apart in the hot tub because you're yeah, not gay, or you right? punch each other because that's not or you, or you, you punch know. each other right yeah. <laughs> and that's like that's the thing right is that um the the couple of situations in which it's okay to be touching people and to be working with people and to be vulnerable with and working with other guys is sports and combat right <laughs> so like or so, you shake hands <laughs> right but that i mean it's not like an intimate thing though like um no no it's not <laughs> Which is, I think, why sports anime resonates as being very distinctly gay, and then also <laughs> why the like, um, the like brotherhood of of uh, you know, uh, the combat uh, uh, comrade in arms kind of uh, thing is so popular, right? Like, part of why military fiction is so popular um, in the West is because it's like kind of one of the only ways in which it is okay for for men to express love and validation for each other is when they're <laughs> facing an external enemy and they need to work together, right? Right. So, um, and then obviously, um, it's very different for for women, right? It is um, kind of um, both in Japan and in the West. It is kind of expected almost to a point that women will find very deep bonds with each other, um, right? Right. And to, to us, that registers, registers as gay because you're just like you guys. You're like literally kissing each other on the mouth right now. You have <laughs> there's devoted, a lot of skinship. Like, you have you have you are like you are devoting yourselves to each other. You are saying you would die for each other. You're like ogling each other in the bath. Like what? Like <laughs> that's how, not always. Guilty. How am I? How am I supposed to like? And apparently, this is like not even like that that weird like you know we, we kind of thought of it as like a, oh it's just like a, a, a thing that guys like made up um to be like oh sexy ladies but apparently like like because of you know um this sort of uh societal expectation um in japan it's like kind of real to a certain extent which is like just bonkers to me it's such mind i've always thought that it wasn't real until i learned otherwise right because like if you think about a friendship, like a friendship you got with your homies, right? <laughs> you don't uncle each other in the back, whether you're a girl or a guy. <laughs> Yo, homie, your um, your junk is looking pretty poggers today. 
Oh God. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, Princess <laughs> Princess Connect uh, Redive season two <laughs> is really gay, but they're not gonna kiss each other, and you just kind of no. have to come to terms with it. But like, yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna lie to you. Like it's it's really gay. Like if you're okay, if you're okay with that love never being consummated or uh, well. b- made explicit in any way. No one is okay with that. You can you can get a you could get a little bit out of this. I'm, I'm telling you, it's still um, a good show. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, after that rant, um, let's we have let's another one. <laughs> immediately dive into another rant, um, which is um, ranking of kings, um, second core. So it continued from last uh, last season, and um, for the most part, ranking of kings um, was was really good. Um, everything that we talked about last uh, wrap up is absolutely still true. Um, the yes. characters have a lot of uh, interiority and complexity to them. They're written and um, motivated by their by their own wants and desires, and they have their own goals, and they move along um, in accordance with those things. And so it feels very cohesive. Um, the animation is really good. There, oh god, uh, yeah. My like, there are some really great sequences, um, especially when, um, uh, and obviously spoilers because we're wrapping up and we're talking about all this stuff, right? Especially when Boji is um, fighting with um, his dad. But That's the in, climax. As, Animation uh, wise, died, yeah. I mean, story wise too, of course. But <laughs> it's, it's beautiful because it. Yeah. Um, it is uh, both a literal fight and kind of a conceptual one. And mm-hmm. you see so much of what goes on in these characters' minds and how they view each other and, like, how it, uh, how it goes. And, like, it's, it's just stunning. It's stunning. It's really, really, mm-hmm. really, really amazing to watch. Um, mm-hmm. And pretty much almost everything else is, like, you know, uh, really satisfying. It ends and, you know... Uh, it ends really great, um, sort of, uh, but uh, there's just, like, two things, right? So <laughs> I would say there's there's one thing, there's like that one thing spawns a bunch yeah, of things. <laughs> right, so it's like, there's, like, there's, like, two big, big sticking points um, in this show, like, that just, just kind of drag the whole thing down, which is, a, it's a, like, sucks. It's so unfortunate. <laughs> because, like, the rest of the show yeah. is so good, and we, we yeah. love it. Um, yes, but there's just like there's just one problem, and and her name is Moranjo. Right? Yeah, it has a so, name. It's Moranjo. <laughs> so like, I I I think Moranjo is fine as a villain, right? Oh, I think she's well a great written. villain. Yeah, um, she has her own desires. They don't yes. necessarily always conflict with the desires of of you know Boji and crew, mm-hmm. right? So sometimes she she even works with them. Um, sometimes their goals align, and that feels very interesting and complex and nuanced. Yes. Um, but then there's just it's like there's one weird inconsistent thing in this show, like just one really striking thing, which is that like. This is a show where um, anybody and everybody can become a better version of themselves, right? They can be forgiven from their past sins, or if not forgiven, um, work to to ameliorate them in some way. Um, they can work to become better versions of themselves, you know, even if you don't have the strength of a giant that you were promised as a birthright. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
there is still a way for you to achieve a form of strength, right? Right. And that's that's what even Miranjo, right? The villain, <laughs> even Miranjo, the villain, right? Except for mm-hmm. some reason, there is mm-hmm. an entire country of people who are mm-hmm. irredeemably bad from from yep. the outset at their core. They're just yep. evil, right? And they're just bad people, and that's it, right? There's no complexity. It's nope. just. They're bad people, and they've mm-hmm. always been bad, and they always will be bad. And that's a problem because the, the nation of Yakuza, right, when you look at the, the you know, pre-magic uh, pre, uh, society revolution, um, the, they live in, like, these, like, you know, like, uh, straw huts, which look a little bit concerningly like what pre-colonial Korean buildings looked like. Right, a little too so, concerningly close. So, so then there's like you're watching like a um a really inspiring piece of media about a boy mm-hmm. overcoming the odds to mm-hmm. find and achieve true strength in order to mm-hmm. um you know protect the ones that he loves, and you know um he's a nice, well natured boy. He wants to save even the people who are out to do harm to him. Right, and. Then you have this weird current where there is an entire like like an entire country of people who not only are evil, they're also ungrateful for all of the magic and civilization in hospitals that they were given by the good right. technologically advanced magic people. By the and- good magic people who came in uninvited to try and ally with them against an- another enemy, right? Because they were so the magic people are going against the gods in a in a little rebellion type of situation, and so they come to this other kingdom called Yakuza, which is of course sounds very similar to Yakuza, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, to try and get their uh, help as allies in this war against the gods, they're hoping that Yakuza will side with them and fight against the gods with them. But in exchange, um. Homa, the the magic civilization or the magic uh, kingdom, they decide that they're going to try and improve the lives of the Gyakuzen citizens, I guess, um, by giving them um, a bunch of like infrastructure and just lots of like great prosperous things essentially to raise up this 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 suffering kingdom, the suffering poor kingdom. That's filled with bad people who only know how to be bad. They were born bad. That's all. They'll always be bad. But we're going to try and raise them up and get their help in exchange. And <laughs> so, yeah, you'll boy, have does to, it um... end well. <laughs> so uh, you'll have to excuse me um, if uh, if you can you can see where I'm going with this. But uh-huh. um, oops, we did a colonialism. <laughs> Wow, how about that? Uh, God, it's it's so frustrating because it's so incongruent with the rest of the show. And like apparently this was a this was the case in the manga as well, and people were worried about it when uh the show started being animated. I had no idea that this this was like a, an aspect of the show. Um but like even people who didn't know that the um that that those kind of parallels existed, um that I've talked to about this, right, have been like, yeah, I did think that was, like, a little bit weird, right? Because it doesn't feel like it fits with the show, where it's like, yes, um, these are people who have been hurt, who uh, have uh, are trying to overcome that hurt to become better people, except for this entire country of people. They're all evil, and they've only known evil, and they'll only know evil. Apparently, in the manga, 
the the citizens of Yakuza, after they've you know betrayed Homa or whatever, um, go to the like god, right? Uh, and they're they're uh and um they're like oh 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 boohoo we we were we were uh colonized etc cetera, etc cetera. um and then the the fucking evil god goes mm, but you accepted their hospitals didn't you and it like it yeah re- oh, it, oh, to oh, me oh, reeks that- of like and yet you live in a society it's like shut the right. fuck up and oh it doesn't God. even end there it doesn't even end there because Bosse comes later and he sees what these people have done to Miranjo and her mother and he annihilates every single Gyakuzen citizen oops <laughs> we did a genocide <laughs> oh no a colonialism and a genocide in one show <laughs> I just, I, it's so <laughs> and weird. It, it comes out of nowhere. It, it, and it, it, they compress it into basically two episodes, I, I, if I recall correctly. Um, and there's such a huge tonal shift from the rest of the show. <laughs> it just, it's like, it's so unnecessary because like you, it feels like it would have been so easy to just at any stage of this do something else. And yes. And escape the kind of like really terrible implications that you're putting forward with this. Like, why? Why is there a colonialism in my in my like shonen anime all of a sudden? What is going on? Right? It's about like yeah. this is a show about like love and empathy and like forgiving each other. Like, God, fucking. So that's the other problem, right? Is that Moranjo gets forgiven at the end of everything? Okay. Yeah. Let's let's talk about that because and all of this just... this stuff was basically just a, a plot element, just like a little tool that the author used to try and give you sympathy for Miranjo, is to make you feel bad for her. And that's what the show forces you to do for this entire, like, like uh, I want to say latter half of the second season, is to try to make you feel bad for Miranjo, and not only just you, it forces Dida, it forces Boji, it forces people in the show to watch her backstory and yeah, feel bad much. for her. And by the end, that's what causes them to forgive her. Yep. It's <laughs> not any it's action a, that she did. <laughs> it's such a like it's such a um uh one of those like I'm a bad guy because I did bad things and therefore I should be forgiven, which is like like bad villain writing 101 right but it's also like the <laughs> so there are there are moments of course that they try to portray miranjo's duality there's no doubt about that they show multiple moments in the show where she's wavering in her cause right she knows what she's dedicated to which is to try and relive those days where she was able to be at Bose's side to go adventuring she loved that she wants that again for the both of them and she's willing to do whatever it takes to get there however there's a lot of sacrifices to be made in the process and she set up a lot of elements in order to to have that be a thing. For example, she set up the marriage between Bose and Healing so that he would have another son to sacrifice so that he would be able to regain his body again. And and so she's done so many horrible things throughout the show, including getting Boji's mother killed. Um, Only in the end does she start actually doing like 
actually committing to a few actions that would to try that would try and redeem herself. Like she tries and heals the the party after their big old fight with Oken and and whatnot. Um, and I think that's it. I can't think of another thing that she actually does that is good during the show other than be pitiful. And yep, of yep. course, like you guys listening right now are free to like chime in and and tell me, but that's the impression that I get having watched both seasons. And by the end, not only do Boji and Dida forgive her, Bo- Dida forgives her for shoving him into a void that he could very well not have gotten out of. <laughs> had the had the rest of the cast done some not done something and had um uh they not gotten Bose out of there essentially and let Dida have his body back. He prevents the rest of the characters from lashing out at Miranjo for what she did. He proposes to Miranjo. He tells her that he wants her to be his wife. And he looks at everyone else and he says, you are not to lay a hand on her. (sighs) She is absolved (laughs) from taking any kind of responsibility for all of her actions. She got Queen Sheena killed. She almost got Queen Healing killed twice. She let Oaken out of his prison. And he uh, he's like one of the scariest characters in the entire show. My God. What a a freak. (laughs) Yeah, uh, it's... uh, yeah, I um, there's like okay, there's like so much to unpack. Also, because like, <sighs> like like one, Boji's like, yeah, I'll forgive you, despite the fact that like she's the reason that you don't have any like strength in your body and that y- your uh like your early childhood has been basically all hardship. And right. You watched also, your mother die protecting oh, you. Literally, <laughs> literally, also, she, like, actively killed your mom yeah. while she was holding you. And, yeah. um, hmm, uh, mm, mm, that sounds, uh, mm, I don't, like, it's okay. I know you're a good boy. But Jesus Christ, you do not have to forgive this woman, right? Right. And it, I, it, I, I understand him eventually, he, because he's supposed to be like the, like the morally righteous, like, like lawful good character in the show. Like, I get him forgiving her because he's also still a child, right? And so he, he wants, he just wants everything to be good with everyone. But the rest of the characters are allowed to show some kind of animosity toward Miranjo, and Dida literally says, no, you cannot. <laughs> You are yeah. not allowed to have her take any kind of responsibility for your for her actions. Also, it's just like a weird element for for Dida to be like, mm, "I will make Moranjo my wife." Because oh, like, it was so bizarre. Be- because like the the magic mirror, which is you know, which is mm-hmm. where Moranjo has been living for the last like ten years, mm-hmm. um, was given to Dida when he was like pretty small, right? Mm-hmm. And has and like Moranjo has basically been guiding and like in in a weird way, kind of like grooming Dida. So like, yes. there's this weird element of like, like he was groomed into into being like her husband. So like, I don't know why she's still here. Right? I don't know why she's still in the narrative at all. It feels like <laughs> like when she ended up having her soul basically taken by the demon because of the agreement that they made, that that was the moment when her arc should have ended because she was getting her just punishment 
for everything, all of the death, all of the destruction that she caused, all of the suffering that she caused for every single other character in the show, essentially, she was finally getting her comeuppance and it was well-deserved. However, it just feels like either the writer or, I don't know, people reading the manga at the time, someone somewhere along the way decided that she needed to still be a part of the story. And therefore... She was brought back rather forcibly, mind you. <laughs> yeah, it's like and she doesn't even really want to be there. Like, exactly. she's done. She doesn't even want to be there. She doesn't feel right being there. <laughs> like, okay, so here, here's the thing, right? Is that, like, I'm I'm okay with uh, with her being, like, saved from the demon's clutches or whatever. Um, I'm sure. okay with uh, the sort of, like arc of um of being like well okay now what like i've i've hurt all of you and etc etc right and it just kind of feels like like her her narrative should have kind of ended there at least in some way like not even necessarily just being eaten by a demon right it's like okay cool you're alive now but uh we kind of don't really want anything to do with you so you can you can leave we won't chase yeah. you, but like, I, I, don't right. don't be involved with us anymore. Like, don't don't make her your wife. I understand if the author w- had this it, like as their intention the entire time. Right, they wanted Miranda to be the villain. Uh, she would almost get eaten by the demon. She would come back as a good person and try to make up for what she did. If they had that as their plan, that's totally fine. I totally get that. That's very compelling. I just don't think that they set it up well. At it just, all, it feels like such a cop out, and yeah, like it feels so cheap. It doesn't make any sense, right? No. It doesn't fit with the internal logic of no. of the world for her to oh, be forgiven not. by anybody, right? No, like there's a moment where like um she's there and uh uh her mom and and uh Boji's mom are like force ghost waving like yeah like oh, we, God. we forgive you, and it's like. No. Yeah. Why? Why would she forgive you at all? Th- like, it doesn't it make any goddamn sense. So unearned. Like because it's not earned at all. Because all that happened was they saw her sad past. That it, was all that happened. It feels so much like um, like it like we just skipped. A t- like an entire arc of character development, right? That's what like, I feel like too. It yes. feels like we're we're missing all of the stuff that would make those moments matter. Mm-hmm. It like the thing is that like yeah, I get it, right? She had a, a sad backstory, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, kind of like a boohoo, you know, right? Yeah, right. Like a I it, it to me a villain should not be redeemed by their backstory ever, right? right? That to me like doesn't isn't it just isn't really the way oh. that like redemption stories are are meant to to play out. Like not only because it you know doesn't make sense, it just isn't like really that satisfying at all, right? Like mm-hmm. when you have when you have like Prince Zuko, um, oh, like, that's what I was gonna bring up. Joining... You are <laughs> we are on the same page. That's exactly what I was going to bring up. <laughs> yeah. So like like when you have, when you have like Zuko. Um, slowly, awkwardly joining the the main character, the main cast, and being like, um, "Yeah, sorry, sorry about all the uh, about all the times I tried to tried to kill you guys. Um, that wasn't very cool, huh? Wasn't, <laughs> wasn't very pod champ of me. Um, yeah, and they're they're rightfully very distrustful of him and being like, "Get the fuck out of here!" Right? Yeah, dude. 
I love, I mean, there's a reason why Zuko's like entire character development across the entire show is so beloved. And to me, if the author wanted to do something similar, they needed to give the appropriate amount of time. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it took Zuko like four seasons for his arc to just come around full circle, right? It's just to just have like it play out so well so satisfyingly but then it also like the way that the story like methodically laid out his character from the start was that you you saw his circumstances right he's the fire nation prince in the fire nation the mad guys right they're trying to get he's trying to capture the avatar all that stuff but you see from the outset even from like the very first episode that he's introduced that he's not really like an evil guy he's 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 doing this thing in order to regain the good graces of his father Mm -hmm. um, to regain his honor, essentially. Um, And you very occasionally will get like a little glimpse into his past throughout the entirety of the show, but they don't lean on as a crutch for his redemption. For the most part, he's working so hard towards his goals. And then when he finally decides that uh, he realizes, I guess, that what he's doing isn't right and that he wants to, you know, essentially join Team Avatar. He has to work like hell to try and gain their trust. And it feels so well-deserved when he finally does because you know that he's not a bad guy and you know that he's been working the entirety of the show in order to to get to this point. And you're, you're rooting for him by that point, especially, like, when you see the little glimpses of how he could be working together with the avatar but he because of circumstances he's unable to like that whole like that iconic episode where he uh he's like the blue oni mask um and he helps the avatar escape and they work together and but then by the end they're still enemies but you love how cool it looked when they were working together and you get that little just that little glimpse that kind of foreshadows what happens later on and it feels so good when it finally comes back around (sighs) yep but but Miranjo doesn't have a single bit of that <laughs> whatsoever. No, no. As as a as a certified vi- uh, as a certified villain liker TM, there are two <laughs> things that I hate, which is uh-huh. um, one the the single redemptive uh, sacrifice moment as a way of redeeming a character, and uh, two uh, the absolute cop out, which is the um, which is the uh, oh my backstory justifies my my evilness, yep. and it's like I hate those two things because they're just so bad. Like because they're both um, you know, they don't make any fucking sense. They're incongruent usually with the narrative um, uh, of whatever piece they're in, and they're just it's just lazy writing. It's just it feels like you didn't put any work into it, um, and. As a result, you just kind of end up in a situation where you're, where you just kind of, you're left hanging. You're like, but why, right? Yeah. It's like it. You can't just forget. I mean, okay. So, like this, this thing, right? It's like, like, yeah, yes, you can just forgive somebody, but like, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel good, right? It doesn't, no, it, it doesn't, doesn't feel, feel like good storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, no. It just feels like something is kind of happening because it, it it feels like the entire narrative has wrapped around and been yes. bent in such yes. a way as to allow this character to um 
just escape whatever yep. uh, whatever consequences that they have yep. um, essentially set up for themselves, right? It's it's right. It's reaping without sowing or sowing without reaping. The other one, or the way around. Um, right, and it 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 feels like it just feels so hypocritical as well because Miranjo gets to be saved, but the country that betrayed her people. Oh Do no not. no no! Yeah, they're all they're all dead now. They're all they're all in. They're the ground. extremely dead. Don't worry, they don't exist anymore. We hated them but so much, we destroyed their entire civilization. Right. Yeah, uh, and yeah, what did Miranda yeah. do? Oh, she she only perpetuated the murder and the chaos, and you know, she killed a <laughs> lot of people. Yes. So, but she gets um, to be saved because she had a sad yeah. backstory. Yeah. Uh weird okay yeah this show is just weird like it yeah there's a lot of it that's really good and then just some of it that like doesn't make any sense that's i don't what's so frustrating it feels it feels like it feels like um these two parts of the narrative are written by different people almost like right yeah mm-hmm. yeah i just i i don't i don't know how to square it I don't either, and uh, it leaves me at like a crossroads in terms of like whether I want to continue the show or not, which it, I I feel horrible about because, and the reason why I'm so bitter about the whole Miranjo situation and how her arc ended up playing out is because it drags down what is otherwise a brilliant show, um, for me. Right? Is is that I love everything else outside of the show, and yet the Miran the way they handle mishandled the Miranjo arc so so badly. It compromises the rest of the show, and yet I'm I'm dreading, like if I have to, if I decide that I'm going to watch the rest of the show, I'm dreading the moment that I have to see her again, because I know even if that by this point she decides, you know what, from here on out, I'm just going to do good things and and yada yada, make up for everything that happened. It doesn't rewrite the fact that she had such a terrible setup for her character, for her redemption, rather I should say. Yeah. I don't know why they had to pull a <sighs> colonialism and a genocide just to make this character sympathetic. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. This is a, uh, yeah. So, anyway, if you guys decide that, you know, the the whole Miranjo thing doesn't bother you nearly as much, then I would say probably good for you. <laughs> you can still enjoy the show. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I'll have to sit on this. For much longer and then think about whether I want to continue it or not because um, I'm that salty about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so salty. I love Bochi yeah, and Kage I and mean... all the other characters so much. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Let's talk about the Demon Slayer Entertainment District yeah. arc. Um, which, uh, I mean, this is like what the, th- the third... This is like the third time we've been talking about Demon Slayer. Yeah, I mean, it's Demon Slayer. It's good. <laughs> um, I feel like I always feel like um, I always feel like this uh, this arc is a little bit on the slower end, um, mm, mostly yeah. because I think the stuff that comes after it is really interesting, and the stuff that comes before it is really interesting. Like, mm. there's some stuff I really like about the Entertainment District arc, and um, it was animated very beautifully by UFO Table. Like mm-hmm. they really don't miss. Yeah. Um yeah. Some of the some of the, the best fight scenes um in uh in the season for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um 
at least for like one one on one like fight scenes, uh, they're pretty pretty intense, pretty epic. Uh, they look very pretty. Um, you know, it's it's what you've come to expect from UFO Table. Uh, yeah, they they do that camera pull thing a lot. You can tell that this is kind of like a UFO Table thing that other <laughs> um, other studios are starting to crib because like UFO Table has always had a really strong um, tie to their CG department. And mm. you can tell that a lot of other anime studios are kind of incorporating that um, into their workflow now. Um, yeah. But, like, man, Demon Slayer loves its, like, the, its, like twirling, panning shots. It loves yes, its, like, yes, yes. epic zooms in mm-hmm. and out. Yeah, like... And they're they real the fire. <laughs> and they're real fire. Yeah, they just have some real-ass fire in there. <laughs> it only looks animated mildly fire And also real fire. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could be. It could have been CG animated fire that looked really realistic. I believe that. That's really hard to do in CG animated fire. Like, like three D CG is real. Like, fire is really hard to do. Um, yeah, but I'm. But, I mean, but I, they I have like I, a bajillion dollars. <laughs> right. I would have expected them to. I guess because up until this point, they've done two D animated fire. I thought they were just going to continue that, but they put real fire a lot of it. I understand why, <laughs> yeah. but <laughs> yeah. It was just funny to see. <laughs> Actually, is it even is it even like possible to like isolate like footage of real fire? What do you mean? Well, they had to like they had to like layer it over uh, the drawings. So. Yes, yeah, yeah. They they probably. I mean, I don't know what they did specifically, but um, a technique that is used is to light a fire against a black background, and then you just mat out the background, and then you have the fire by itself. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> um, yeah, I I think there is uh, quality wise, like I think the the entertainment district arc is uh, is good. I think mm-hmm. the story content is also pretty good. Um, it's I th- I think a little bit less of um, <clears throat> it's in this weird awkward transition state. Between um, the beginning of the show, which is like really about one thing, and then the end of the show, which is also kind of about a different thing, right? Mm-hmm. So um, it is a little slow in some places. It drags a little bit in some places. It um, mostly just because you spend a lot of time in Tandra's head in this season, yeah, yeah, um, and it it just kind of slows down the action a lot, which um, is kind of a shame, honestly, um, because the the action is is so good. But I guess they just needed to pad out the uh, the episodes or something. Um, <laughs> the opening is like super banging. Oh like, man! <laughs> speaking of people that don't miss, Imer just never misses. Um, that song is like so. It's so like weird in a way because mm-hmm. like um, there's just something about her uh, about her voice and her intonation mm-hmm. that's like really um it's just really different mm-hmm. um because it's uh she is like um she's kind of like a, a lower huskier voice yeah, mm-hmm. um and the, the the like cadence of the song is also like um it's not like a i don't think it's in standard time uh, or it might be i'm just not I, I don't know enough about music but um yeah that's that's good um the <laughs> entertainment district arc story about the the like two siblings is like really interesting because i think it um has 
Oh god, my voice is like going. <laughs> I don't know what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> um, <laughs> I like the I like the the antagonists of the Entertainment District arc a lot. Um, I like obviously I like you know Uzui and I like his uh his suite of wives. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I actually really like the dynamic between the two siblings um, just because it stands in juxtaposition to Tanjiro and Nezuko. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, like, he, like even Tanjiro kind of like mentions this where he's like, you know, like um, it was like, you know, in uh, very close for us to, to be exactly like this. Right. If we right, both right. become demons, mm-hmm. then we would have um, we would have been a lot like this, this pair. And I like that the um, they kind of have um, more of a more of a combative relationship with each other, like a kind of troubled combative relationship. Um, But at the end of the day, they're still siblings and they both like care about each other and want to take care of each other. And then when they're like done being demons, um, he's like just trying to ship ship her off to heaven because like you know uh, yeah. he's like you didn't you didn't do anything wrong mm-hmm. um like i i did all the bad stuff right um but she decides to follow him anyway like i, th- mm-hmm. I thought that was a very like good ending yeah to, mm-hmm. um to the uh just to the to the story um of of the, the two the siblings in general like um i i think i like the antagonists of uh the entertainment district arc probably some of the most just in terms of how they Mm. interact with each other what they mean to each other and how they um are emblematic of the of a similar relationship to Tanjiro and Nezuko right of like an older brother having to protect their their younger sister Mm -hmm. and you know um I I thought it was interesting I thought that was good yeah I I especially liked that they pulled the focus back to Nezuko and her situation and, and basically things from her perspective and um, kind of like spotlighting her development too as a character because the focus in both this season and the last was almost entirely on Tanjiro. And so the fact yeah, that they yeah. kind of remind you like, hey, Nezuko is a huge part of this too and, and she's able to come back um, in, in full force is like, was, was really compelling for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've pretty much talked about Demon Slayer to death. Like we, we basically have to talk about it every season because they've just been pumping it out. <laughs> they've just been, um, yeah, banging it out. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm interested to see, uh, the next couple arcs, the Swordsmith Village arc. I think that one lags a little bit. Um, like I think we're in, in the kind of like, uh, more standard Shonen dip, mm. um, because the, uh just because like the opening of demon slayer is like really interesting and they they present a lot of really interesting concepts and then there's a lot of it that's just kind of um a lot more like a standard shonen um but mm-hmm. with all the like the fat and gristle cut out so uh yeah i don't remember it being particularly too interesting i i know that when we get into like the last sort of arc um that stuff is all really really interesting and i like it a lot but um i'm excited for it nonetheless i mean i i love demon slayer and i love uh i loved reading the manga and i i mean yeah like what can you say about ufo table except that that, that anything that they put out is really really good <laughs> yeah i'm I'm excited to see more <laughs> yeah that's it um yep. 
Okay, <clears throat> let's talk about life with an ordinary guy who reincarnated into a total fantasy knockout. Um, which uh, you can also shorten to Fabi Niku, but um, that is a shortened version of the Japanese name, which I don't have uh, on me right now. But anyway, um, so we talked about how this show was surprisingly good and surprisingly <laughs> not like, like a drag. Right, it was like surprisingly not that offensive. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, we could, we I I would maintain that that is still the case. Um, I think that the uh at least in the anime, the progression of um the last couple episodes is like a little slow. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but it's it's still pretty funny, and I <laughs> it was very. Very fun to have um, the like climax be um, a Jinguji just kind of <laughs> listing <laughs> things that he likes about about Tachibana for like five minutes. Because Tachibana was like that was the whole conflict was that Tachibana was upset because he's had this inferiority complex towards Jinguji, who's been like the perfect megane like like essentially like an idol at, at the office right all the girls love him he's so good at his job he's reliable and proficient and everything and tachibana feels like he has nothing special going on for him he's just kind of like a side character or whatever and and jin guji even though they're both like essentially best friends or they've been friends since uh, their school days has never once complimented him for anything. And, and so then Jinkuji, at the to resolve the whole thing, starts listing every single little thing every that he likes thing. about Tachibana. And Tachibana basically has a meltdown. It, it really was possibly my just the best moment in the entire show. Yes. I, that was it was incredible. And I actually I went back and, and uh looked at the manga to see what it was like. And I gotta uh -huh. say that the anime really, really knocks it out of the park. Nice. Like there's only so much that I can like read without getting bored but uh -huh. having it delivered to me by the voice actors like really pounds it home it was so good <laughs> he goes on for like five minutes with everything and it's so good how do they illustrate it in the manga it's just he, he's just standing there with two big word bubbles oh okay i was i was wondering if it was kind of like 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 an ora 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 and jojo's where he, he just like goes on for pages and pages <laughs> No, 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 no. It was like it was like a one-page spread, um, which which means that the anime really did a good job of uh, of making it um, dynamic, uh, come come to life, and interesting yeah. to watch. Um, yeah, it was really and, good. Uh, yeah, I, I'd say in, in that respect, the anime is probably the superior version. Um, mm. I talked a, a little bit how the the manga has like an interesting physicality to its illustrations. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, in general, the anime is like really good though, and I would say that a lot of what makes the anime really good is that the the main two voice actors are really good. They're really I, good. Yes, I think that the the voice actor for Tachibana um, really knocks it out of the park. Mm -hmm. Like I cannot, I cannot like dissociate this character and that voice anymore. <laughs> it's like the casting was just perfect. <laughs> I I did I guess when starting out, I kind of wanted a little more progression in their relationship because the season does end with like and and we continue our adventures <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. but um i think they gave us enough 
progression, especially with that whole like five minute praising. That um, well, they they also they also give us um, uh, after that they give us uh, when um, Tachibana is charmed by. Uh, by that's Jinbiji. right. You're right. You're right. You know what? You're right. <laughs> so that, I did. I did feel yeah. satisfied by the end, even though there wasn't like a full romantic like ah like uh, wrap up. Um, that even though they yeah, do continue yeah. their adventures, it does it, still end in a satisfying way. It obviously sets up in op- like it ends in an open ended way so that they yeah. can they can go back and and fill out another season if they um yeah. if they got enough response to it so yeah I mean it, I hope they do like, there, I want more there is yeah there is some <laughs> progress to it and um like I said it's like surprisingly not weird about its its premise which I was mm-hmm. really expecting it to be mm-hmm. and it just kind of never really goes there. like the closest you get is the um. The guy, the like merchant guy, who's like, um, oh, let me let me touch you, Jinguji, right? Um, <laughs> but you know, it's it's just kind of like, um, it's just kind of whatever. At the mm-hmm. end of the day, uh, it's it's a very funny like, watch it show. Uh, yeah, turn, turn your, your brain, brain off. off. Yep. <laughs> watch two bros desperately trying not to fall in love with each other, um, and they're <laughs> failing pretty miserably. I gotta say. <laughs> which is what makes it fun it is fun yeah <laughs> okay all right cool um let's talk about uh, oh also um just i mean i guess one more note just before because i have been reading a lot of isekai um it actually like basically doesn't fall into any any real isekai trappings which is um oh good yeah just yeah, yeah. nice you know yeah. it it is a different format it's a lot more like konosuba where like the yeah. joke is that it's not like a not your average fantasy reincarnation story mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. um yeah so let's talk about my dress up darling, um, which I feel like for a lot of people was the was the like anime of of the season, just in terms of like how prominently, um, at least culturally, it it appeared. Um, I saw yeah. people talking about this show everywhere. Right? Yeah, like, Marine won because, over a lot yeah. of people. <laughs> I was gonna say Marine. Marine was like waifu of the season in a way yeah. that like I feel like we haven't seen since like Re Zero's Rem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which i mean like i i get right like she's like a um a bombastic directed um passionate person who um like really doesn't give a shit what other people think of her and i think that's a, a very kind of just attractive set of qualities in in general um and then also like i think there is something really refreshing about a um about like a, a kind of etchy like rom-com where the girl so obviously falls in love first and mm-hmm. is like fawning over this guy and it's honestly like really sweet and cute because it's not like because like you, you we've seen like oh i love this girl so much i've i've been in love with her forever since we were children etc 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 we say that we've seen that like a million times but like here we see two people meet each other for the first time and then get involved in an activity and and the girl like falls in love and is like very obviously infatuated and it's kind of it's cute right it's cute in a way that high school romance is is inherently kind of cute it's not serious at all it's a lot of times it's like really played for laughs and yeah. it is mm-hmm. it is funny right yeah i and, i do like yeah. it mm-hmm. it's it's it does like I do get the sense after they introduced some of the other female characters, the other 
like uh the the two sisters and whatnot um that there is a little bit of like ooh we have crushes on the main guy too even though he's like the right, plain dude yeah. right there there is that anime trapping that kind of harem like all the girls are in love with this plain dude because he's just himself he <laughs> whatever <laughs> you know um but i will say that the way that they present this uh, i don't know trope i guess this is point um feels refreshing in a way that um yeah yeah you don't necessarily get in like very formulaic types of harem anime <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think that's because there's a lot of um, a lot of kind of subtle stuff working under the hood in mm. terms of of Gojo's character, mm-hmm. where he's like a he's an awkward high school boy, and it's like very upfront and open about the fact that like you know um, oh oh he, uh, he's uh, he's having like um, like uh, like perverted dreams, but like you know like that's what a boy in puberty is like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he is uh, he has like he has actual personality traits beyond just being kind of a plain guy right like he's almost like i feel like he's almost a plain person on purpose right like mm. the fact that he's like dedicated himself to this mm-hmm. one thing that he's wanted for uh forever basically and um it's kind of made him a loner because he hasn't really felt like he could connect with other people like right. his peers yeah. Um, because he's afraid that his um, uh, the thing that he really cares about will ostracize him, right? Right. So, like when he was little and the girl. So like his his <laughs> yeah exactly. So his personality kind of boils down to being about this stuff, and the show is kind of about pulling him out of that shell and yes, like making sure that he gets these new new experiences and um, kind of grows as a person, right? Yeah. And I think I think it works really well. It, it feels like a, mm-hmm. a central tenet of the show. Because, um, you know, once they start doing the cosplay stuff, um, his grandpa is like, wow, like you've actually gotten a lot better mm-hmm, at, uh, mm-hmm. at, you know, making dolls, right? Mm-hmm. Um, probably because you've been doing all, all the makeup for um, for Marion, right? And I think that's like low-key really important for yes. any creative person yep. to branch out and experience things that are not within the scope of your creative field, mm-hmm. right? I think that's one of the most valuable things uh, you can do, whether you're a writer or an artist. I think the most one of the most important things is to go out and have experiences that are not related to writing or art mm-hmm. that you can take and adapt and um, transform into art, right? Yeah, um, I think it keeps things fresh. And that's probably like my one, number one recommendation for people who frequently say that they're suffering from art block or writer's block or whatnot is to just... Let that be the case and then go do something else and don't spend your time like sulking over the fact that you don't feel creatively inspired right now. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. It happens to I everyone mean, and it's a cycle. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I get like that like constantly, right? Yeah. And I think there is a certain part of me that um, uh, is kind of aided by the fact that I, um, my attention span is very limited. So... Mm. Um, it's very hard for me to stick to one project for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a result, I'm also uh, just constantly, constantly experiencing like new and uh, novel things yeah. because it makes my brain feel good. Um, but those <laughs> things in turn also like fuel the creative pursuits that I do. Yes, right? It's, Im- yes, it's yes. important to have that, that kind of balance. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I like that that is kind of the point of the show, right? The fact that it's like 
you can dedicate yourself to uh, to your craft and you can pursue it and practice it. Um, but at the end of the day, the things that will uh, improve your progress and your your skill at those things is um, being able to make time for other things, right? Um, yeah, I, I, like, I agree. Mm-hmm. I like how studious Gojo is mm. when... Um, he's handed like source material for for a cosplay. Oh like, god, it's so gets, relatable. Like when, <laughs> as an artist, when he, right? Exactly. Like when he gets um when he gets the um the like uh, the arrow gay and uh-huh. he, he's playing it and he's taking notes and he's uh-huh. like completely unbothered by any of the content in his grandpa walks by and he's like, yeah. what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and he's taking notes. He's like, he's taking notes. <laughs> And when he right? buys the manga for the the, the other cosplay, and exactly, then realizes yeah. that there's no angles really to draw this character so because they're so simplified. Yeah. Right, exactly. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so good. It's such a good like showing of the creative process in these kinds of instances. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's I think it's honestly pretty stellar um, in that regard. Uh, there's a yeah. lot to like. I think the directing of the show is pretty pretty stellar. It's um, a lot of it is pretty subtle, but there's like a lot of of just directing choices that are being made that are being made on purpose, which like that's the thing, right? Is that um, at the end of the day, there's a lot of shows and you can kind of tell, right? There's a lot of shows that made uh, that are made that feel like they're being made on autopilot, right? They're being turned out for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. Um, usually it's the kind of stuff, right? Um, <laughs> but it's when you have purposeful directing and you're playing with things like lighting and you're playing with things like camera angles that stuff becomes interesting and meaningful and engaging to to watch because like there's a lot of um there's a lot of composition choices that are made um in like storyboarding that make their way into the show that actually tell you something about their emotional states right um, there's that scene right at the very beginning when, like, um, when Gojo is like sitting in his like um, protagonist chair in the um, <laughs> in the classroom, right by the window, and it's like all kind of under shade. And there's this scene where the wind like whips the curtains up and they cover him as if he like doesn't exist. And then right after that is when he meets Marine and he kind of starts to, you know, become recognized as like a person that exists in this world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's that scene uh, kind of at the end um, in the last, like, somewhere in the last two episodes, I think, where they're walking together um, and they're walking in the shade. And it feels like something, like, really serious is going to happen. Um, and I I don't remember exactly what the scene was, but um, they walk out into the sunlight after, like, um, uh, I think Gojo says something that is, like, um, that is kind of, like, played for laughs. Um, and the scene becomes much more lighthearted. They walk in the sunlight. Like, it's those kinds of directing choices that, like, that you really appreciate when you watch a show. Because mm. you're like, there was care and attention put into how this was made. Right. It. I love the fact that it's not, like, just an etchy show. And I feel like that's mm-hmm. probably the yeah. general impression that the show gives because Maureen is now, like, an, an icon in the anime, I don't know, space. <laughs> right, exactly. But, um... Uh, it's a lot more than just about her. It's about, um, like you said, Gojo and his uh, opening up to his passion and 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 trying to not just pursue his dream but also embrace um, 
I don't know, making friends with other people, connecting with other people and their mm-hmm. passions and how that kind of motivates him to be creatively inspired too. I love that it's about um, creativity in general and, and pursuing something along those lines. And, um, and it feels like a show that was crafted very carefully to balance all of these elements really well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there are some... some it feels like, um, especially with the etchy... Uh, segments there's there, it feels like there are some like um generally older anime sensibilities but they're weaved in a way that isn't like so out there it doesn't like because like you remember the era of anime when etchy was king right yes. and every mm-hmm. show had to be so etchy all the time yeah but like here it's like the etchy is like is like you know it's meant to be a little playful it's a little sexy and it's it's just kind. Of, it's kind of funny too, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that Gojo's literally about to like explode at any given moment. <laughs> He's like about to keel over dead. <laughs> He's like, yeah. It's not. It is a focus of the show, but it's not the only focus, and I appreciate that because uh, yeah, because we remember the days when harem anime was king, and that was all that the shows were about was. Uh, ecchi and then romantic drama and then ecchi and then it just like went back and forth like recycling yeah, over yeah. and over again well, that stuff especially also because like um, there's an element of like um, in those days a lot of that was like the kind of like lucky pervert um, mm-hmm. sort of trope mm-hmm. whereas it feels very kind of purposeful and more about how um, more just about how like kind of airheaded Marine is about mm-hmm. that kind of stuff and um, how much like Gojo is so so hyper conscious of it that he's like ah <laughs> right <laughs> it and it and it is funny right and it feels mm-hmm. it feels refreshing in a way because it um there's a lot of elements of it that are new and a lot of elements that are old and they're being blended in this like really interesting way and like yeah it's just it's just really good for what it is and mm-hmm. that um is sometimes all you can really ask for. I really liked the source material. Um, I've read the manga, and um, I would say that the anime does a really great job of bringing it to the screen. Um, it feels mm-hmm. interesting to watch, and it's pretty fun. Also, like, the voice cast is really good uh, as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, <clears throat> let's talk about um, probably, honestly, no joke, probably my anime of the season, <laughs> Sabi Kui Bisco. <laughs> What an unexpected anime. <laughs> okay. So like I I didn't really know what what I would be getting into because no one this knew. show the show like really doesn't do a good job of of telling you what it's about. No. Um, and even when you watch the first like couple episodes you're not really sure what the no. fuck is going on no. because for some reason they have presented the first two episodes to you in an a chronological format. Yeah, which, it's terrible. Like, okay. It's one thing if you if you're doing that for um for narrative purposes, right? Yeah. Like if you did that um as like a like a flashback or something, right? Um in order to have um to build up tension or whatever, like that's fine. Um it's fine if you have uh uh something like um not Barakamon. That's what we were talking about earlier. <laughs> uh the the other B anime. Bakuman? No, the mm-hmm. other one, the one that we we did an episode on, um, the train heist one. What was that called? Shit, mm-hmm. 
Um, it's the one where you get all the stories intertwining. It's not Bacchus. It's bird. B- oh, b- 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 um. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh shoot! <laughs> oh no! You better cut all well, of these out. Bacano. <laughs> Bacano. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Did you know that they're based on uh, light novels called the the Grand Punk Railroad? What the fuck? What? Okay, anyway, so um, a show like Bacchano uses the, that achronological format um, in order to build its narrative. Yes. Um, Sabiku Hibisco doesn't really do that. It just no. kind of feels like it's ha- like just like kind of chopped up and served to you like a like a <laughs> cheesesteak, right? Um, but like after you get past the first like two episodes, um, this show really like comes into its own yes. and feels cohesive. <laughs> And mm-hmm. like you actually are watching something interesting. <laughs> um, like the first uh, first couple episodes of Zabiku Bisco are really slow, even though there's a lot of really batshit stuff happening. Like there are yeah. mushroom terrorists. The mm-hmm. um, Japan, uh, the world has ended because of a, because of a rust uh, epidemic, which is what happens when um, everything rusts. But also people are rusting, so there's a rusting disease, and people think that mushrooms spread the rust but actually mushrooms eat the rust so they're uh the you know the victim of a smear campaign um but after that everything is is really interesting because it becomes this like duo adventure um journey kind of story which Mm -hmm. is really cool um and then uh in the last like quarter it becomes this like uh really sick like revenge story (laughs) Sort of. It's fucking bonkers. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This show felt... Um, like I said, it kind of feels like it has some of those like older school sensibilities. It Just mm. in terms of like the way that the character um, concepts are and how their uh, personalities are, right? Like you have one really level-headed kind of like newbie character and you have one like really over-the-top like um, skilled, uh, rambunctious, loud guy right mm-hmm. um you have old sensei uh and, and all <laughs> those kinds of characters but um there's just something about um everything that feels like it's it's exciting to watch and i think a lot of that has to do with the the sort of a uh, journey slash adventure um uh premise right like the way that the story is laid out yeah, I, I, I feel like so you do have to get through the first few episodes to get into it. But the first few episodes are just for like that world building. But again, they do tell it in such a hodgepodge way that <laughs> it feels difficult to to just stay with yeah. it. But um, it is such a I don't know. I, I guess it's like a it's a fun story wrapped in this really wacky world. And yeah, um, yeah. The the ending is so bombastic that you're like, this is this is out of control, but also still pretty in line with the show, I think. <laughs> because yeah, and, yeah. and and yet at every turn, I didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> Me neither. See, that's that's the thing, right? Is that um you absolutely hit it uh, hit the nail on the head, right? Where it is a an adventure um 
story set in a really weird setting. Mm-hmm. And it actually really utilizes that weird setting in a way that makes it feel like engaging fantasy, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you have a bunch of, like, stuff that's happened um, since, you know, the time that we would recognize, right? Mm-hmm. And there's all this new stuff, right? Um, society has basically um, collapsed outside of a, a handful of cities. There's all this, like, new wildlife. Um Obviously, stuff is like still a little bit like weird and bonkers. Like there's snail air, snail airplanes, and <laughs> um, hermit crab battalion islands, and, <laughs> and giant steel crabs, mm-hmm. um, and also like fingy worms. There's just worms with lots of fingers. That was that girl that small that had the whole worm thing growing. Oh, the, yeah, exactly. So and he had to terrible. he had to rip it out with his oh, teeth. God, I was like, oh my god! I remember so I remember horrifying. watching that in the trailer. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? What's happening? Um, <laughs> but yeah, like it it presents you an interesting world, and then it actually chooses to engage in that world. It shows mm-hmm. you locations and people mm-hmm. and how they live in that world. Like mm-hmm. there's an entire. Uh, city that is basically this like village um, and it's like really interesting architecturally and only mm-hmm. children live there because all of the adults have, have basically just been like um, taken to like work for the governor or whatever mm-hmm. right and they have to deal with a um, a swarm of man-eating blowfish with human teeth every <sighs> every season which is <laughs> horrifying right and <laughs> All the while, you have, like, two really charming main characters with a really, like, great dynamic between them. Uh They bounce off of each other so well, Mm -hmm. and they complement each other's energies. One is red, one is blue. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, there's purpose because they they each have something that they want. You know, they... um, they both want to save people close to them from the rusting disease, and they have Mm -hmm. to figure out how to do that. And... I really love the journey portion of this anime. Yeah. I think it's one of the the strongest like um set pieces or like um pieces about uh settings that um that I've seen in a while. You know, it kind of it has the kind of like Kino Notabi vibe where like every place yeah, is a yeah. little bit different mm-hmm. and yeah. um a lot of it is like um about figuring out you know what's going on in this place and seeing if you can do anything to help them um we have these little asides where we see um Pau who is um who is uh Milo's older sister um and she's out and she almost gets like eaten by cannibals my god dude <laughs> horrifying Th- this show has so many scary moments it does <laughs> but it's yeah. not a and horror like- anime <laughs> Like it has a lot of really tense moments because you, yeah. you don't really know what's what's gonna happen, and you mm-hmm. before you realize that you've uh, you've gotten attached to these characters, yeah. and, like you you care about them, <laughs> and like yeah, it's just such a solid like one core anime. Mm-hmm. It, it like comes and you're a little bit confused at the beginning, and then it <laughs> progresses over like thirteen episodes, and then after it's just it's you know you you got it like that's that's the whole thing and. I'm honestly really grateful because, like, a lot of anime these days is it's like, oh, we've set up for a season two in case we ever get one, and they did never get one, right? Yeah. So the fact that we we got just like a one core anime that like comes and does what it wants to do and then just fucking leaves is like kind of great. <laughs> I will... 
Yeah, this show is so bonkers. Like, I cannot <laughs> overstate just how bonkers this show is, right? <laughs> it, like, even aside from the um, the really out there setting, which I love, by the way. It's so weird. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, there are snail airplanes and mushrooms just fucking everywhere. You can fire an arrow and the mushrooms will sprout instantly. Yeah. It's, it's great. I love it. Yeah. Um, but even even beyond that, there's just like it's just so over the top, right? Like the final confrontation, uh, or the final couple episodes is a confrontation between uh, between uh, Milo and then later Bisco and um, and the governor who uh, is an ex mushroom keeper who uh, manipulated the media to essentially make people believe that mushrooms cause rust instead of eating them, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he did that so he could, you know, have a, a grasp on power for the rest of time or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, and then Milo just comes in and fucking rocks his shit. <laughs> and then and then he fucks up because he doesn't fucking kill him quick enough. And oh, so God. the governor's like, oh, oh, God, let me, uh, let me get out of here. Um, and then they confront him again in the rust machine. And uh, fucking I... Swear to God, it's the rawest thing I've ever seen in my goddamn life because um, Bisco is fighting the governor, right? And he's uh, he's literally just like um, he's rusting, right? So yes. his body is like turning into rust and like mm-hmm. falling off. And yes. he he no longer has uh, – he gets shot with rust bullets so that it's progressing really fast. So he like shoots an arrow and his fucking fingers fall off. Yes, but he Bisco's can't shoot fingers. Fall he can't off. use his bow anymore. <laughs> so what does he do? He fucking runs up and he, he punches him with his arm. And then his arm is so rusted it falls. This man punches a man so hard, his arm doesn't exist anymore. Right? <laughs> and then like, and then after that, he's like, what are you going to do? Now you don't have any limbs. And he fucking like takes him out by like, knocking him into the lava and they both fall into the lava together and the most homosexual moment that has ever (laughs) been displayed on television happens because milo shows up and uh bisco is like he's like slowly sinking into the the death rust lava and he's like i don't want to rust to death i want you to kill me because if you kill me with your own hands, then I'll always be with you in your heart. And um, <laughs> so, okay. So you know how, like, there's a couple of tropes that I, like, really am a, am a sucker for? Yes. One of the, one of the tropes is, um, is if I have to die, let it be by your hand. It's so uh-huh. fucking sexy. Um, <laughs> I, I cannot, like, overstate, like, how gay it is. For him to be dying and for uh for Bisco to be like, I want to die by your hands, and Milo is like, okay, and shoots him <laughs> in the heart, and then literally immediately as he's sinking into the lava, Milo t- says, I love you. Literally, he says Aishteru, which yes. is like not even ambiguous. No. It's literally just like I love you, and um, oh my god. <laughs> I've seen people like I was reading discussion about this episode. I've seen people try and justify it. like, oh, like, like you could say I love you to like your friends or whatever, but <laughs> Aishteru isn't used that way. You have to understand really the, the context behind it in that this this phrase isn't even 
said between married couples. That's how like deeply emotional it is. Um, it's I think I would say it's occasionally used between like biological family members if it's like that much of like a uh, like a moment or like a thing, right? And like you really want to convey how deeply you love mm-hmm. these people, but it's not used between friends. Um, and it's again, it's rarely used even between couples because it's so embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is this is like high cringe levels of of thing that you are saying, right? And, and so um, <laughs> Milo saying it to Bisco when they're not related, they're not in a romantic relationship either. But there have been like little hints dropped every now and then throughout the show about how Milo really fancies Bisco, and like Bisco makes him blush and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of bless you moments, um, and there's a lot of moments where he's like, you know, I think I think you would really get along with my sister. And I, you know, it was kind of confusing to mm-hmm. to watch those moments. But I, I'm beginning to think that a lot of that was like kind of deflection, being like, mm. oh, wouldn't you like, wouldn't you like to be in a relationship with a Neko Yanagi? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody says it has to be either of us. And like the amount of like times that they like like. They run away together, and then they're living in like a trailer together for a bit, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and and like there are so many times where one of them is just like critically injured, and the other is like lovingly taking care of them <laughs> in such this a tender like, way, like 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 we talked earlier in this episode of the podcast about how Princess Connect has the bond between Pickering and, and Carol yeah, and yeah. how that, that could be very easily interpreted in terms of like a romantic lens. But they said, but these two, Bisco yeah, this and is, Milo, Milo this said, is, I do. <laughs> this is an explicit, like, this is an explicit love, right? Like this, this is a, this is not your, not your average queer baiting. I can't this even, is, um, like, remember the last time I heard I do in any show? Like, I, yeah. I don't, I can't recall. <laughs> like, it is, um... It's pretty pretty serious, you know, <laughs> and like Bro. literally he says this after um after Bisco is like um uh I'll always be in your heart. Yeah, and he literally <laughs> and then Milo literally like, shot uh, him in the heart with the in arrow. The heart, right? <laughs> I was like, oh my god. <laughs> and like the thing is that before uh before that before they like um like uh when they separate so that Bisco can come kill the governor, right? He's taking care of Milo, and like Milo is like um, really, really injured, and he's just like holding his hand, and he's just like, "Bisco, please don't, please don't go, please continue holding my hand." And, and then Milo like falls asleep, and he's just like, "Yeah, yeah, I will." And then he and then he goes just to fucking kill the governor, and like, oh. And then, and okay, and we were so mad about this. We were so mad when this happened because it depends on that cliffhanger, and we're like, "What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? You can't like make this couple like explicitly love each other and then and then kill them in the same breath, and then but wait, he comes back to life. Like he literally hears Milo, like." What happens is both um both the governor and um and Bisco get like assimilated into this like rust monster that, yes. that they call the Tetsujin, um, yeah. which just means Iron Man, which is really yeah. funny. Um, yeah, and it's like this man. It's obviously this like man made weapon of destruction that um 
ended up causing the end of the world. There's a lot we can unpack there. Um, but <laughs> it, um, but the governor kind of takes control from inside the creature and becomes one with the creature. And then you're like, oh, that's not very fair, is it? Um, but then, like, Milo's, like... Um, saying some stuff and he's just like man i, I wish uh, i was like you were always with me bisco and bisco literally shows up he's like i heard i heard you calling for me and here i am literally back from the dead and you're like oh my god like their bond was so strong that he literally came back from the dead to save you so <laughs> <laughs> the 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 con the, the the final conflict they have their final battle it resolves right and then in the end Pau comes in and then she makes her move right she she she's the one that gets to have the smooch right she smooches Bisco she does it in a very like I'm the boss kind of way too which was awesome but <laughs> <laughs> then and, and so then at that point you're like okay are they are we are are we back to the heterosexual relationship what are we doing here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Milo and Bisco are all by themselves somewhere, and then Pawu is like, "Oh, like, oh, I'll, I'll leave them alone. Like, if I were to intervene right now, Milo would kill me. A sibling right, just exactly. knows. <laughs> <laughs> he would never forgive me. Yeah. And literally, they cut over there, and they're having a conversation, and they're just like, kind of like." <laughs> they're just it's kind of like the, laying in each other's yeah. laps and stuff. No, no, the, the sun is setting. They're watching the sun setting. <laughs> <laughs> and then Milo puts his head in Bisco's lap. Like literally, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, and he says like, it, like that's comforting that he can hear Bisco's heartbeat again. Like, <laughs> like bro, bro, bro. I, I think this is about the closest. Or not even closest. I think this is the most you can do to display like a romantic relationship without <laughs> having them explicitly like kiss or anything. Yeah. Like it's not even negotiable. Like you can't just say, <laughs> Oh, they're homies. You can't just say like, Oh, they're like really good friends or like they're like like this is they are soulmates, right? This is like <laughs> this is like when um when people when, uh, like uh you have the untamed and like all of the adaptations they try to like censor out all the gay yeah. stuff, but they're yeah. like but they're like literally soulmates, right? <laughs> so so er, it, no matter what happens, it's still com- extremely explicitly gay because it was kind of written that way. That's what yes. I feel like about this. It's like they've done everything to express. Like I, I almost think on purpose, right? I think mm-hmm. it has to be on purpose, mm-hmm. right? That they love each other in a very deep way, and it's fine if that's in, in if it's it's fine if it's a way where it's like they love each other in such a deep way that it's like un like not definable, right? It's not like right. they're siblings. It's not like they're friends. It's right. not even like they're lovers. They just have a really like powerful connection to each mm-hmm. other. Um, but like, man. They literally have a scene in the like the climax of the entire show is 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 like Milo and Bisco shooting a bow together, holding hands, and and then Bisco is just like, "I trust you to be my eyes," (laughs) and like I don't, I I couldn't, 
I couldn't write anything more romantic than that if I tried. <laughs> I could have like two people just absolutely on a on a soul level, on a cellular level, like devoted to each other, and like you know. Um, you can have them kiss. You can have them um, express like uh, things and like um, give each other gifts or whatever. Right? Express love for each other, and like it just wouldn't hold a candle to what the fuck I just watched. It's like this is it. This is the gayest piece of media I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I've like I've read stuff where like guys are fucking each other in the butt, <laughs> like. Come on. <laughs> Sucking your homie's dick is less gay than this. I'm sorry, it's just it's true. Um it's a great show. <laughs> <laughs> this show fucking this show fucking rules. This show fucks. <laughs> If you just want to have a bump, like a, a really wild ride of a of a show, this is it, man. You don't know what's what what's gonna happen um, at every <laughs> turn of the story. Um, it has so many unexpected moments, but it's all tethered together by this bond between these two people that <laughs> is pretty strongly implied to be really romantic. <laughs> Listen, they they have a bond that transcends romance. And yeah, that's exactly like, how, how deep it seems. <laughs> These two people are soul bonded for soul bonded. all of eternity. Yeah, yeah. They, at um, one point, we're talking about how Bisco's soul went into Milo's body because <laughs> Milo started acting like him after Bisco died. Yeah. <laughs> Like even oh, the old the old sensei guy who was like a father to Bisco was like, oh, Bisco's not really dead because he's in Milo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then he's fucking alive still. He just comes back from yeah. the dead, yeah. actually and literally. And like that moment happened, and we were like, what? What the fuck? This is like definitely one of those like, oh, his spirit is with me moments. No, he's there. He's he's, there. he's alive in he's the flesh. He came back just so he could hold your hand and <sighs> kill this guy that you both hate. Like, oh my god! <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> this show is great. I love it's this great. show. It's also, <laughs> just a uh -huh. small aside, but I really love um, the ending theme of this uh, anime is really, really good. It's sung by yeah. the uh, the two voice actors. Yeah. And after Bisco dies, they make they make uh, Milo's voice actor sing it alone, and that hits different. <laughs> it's so <laughs> we were like, wait a we were both simultaneously like, wait it's a like, minute. Wait, while the ending was wait a minute. <laughs> Bro, that's not okay. It was so not okay. <laughs> I have I I don't remember the last time I was so distraught after an episode of anime like that fucked me up I was like oh my god Bisco <laughs> oh Jesus fucking Christ um yeah i wasn't expecting to like this show as much as i did but yeah um, it's it's really good it's very entertaining it's very charming 
um, it presents to you this extremely wacky world. It's mm-hmm. um, it feels a lot like um, there's uh, like uh, I think it's I think it's the Wasteland series of games um, where it just presents to you like this post apocalypse where everything's like really wild and over the top. It feels kind of Mad Maxy in that way, actually. Um, but yeah, I I like the setting, love the characters. My God, I've never seen two characters more in love with each other. Holy fuck. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but yeah, that's my pick of the season. That's Sabikui Bisco. Ah, I recommend you watch it. If, if you, you could get, if, yeah, uh, I, you, you, you gotta get past the first three episodes to get to the journey part of the show. Yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. just as a disclaimer. <laughs> so, okay, well, why yeah. don't you tell me about the two <clears throat> things that you watched? Yeah, so I'll I'll pretty quickly um, summarize these two. So there's Remans Club, which technically still hasn't finished airing. I think the last episode is still on the way, um, and I've only watched. Um, I'm only caught up to that's ten episodes. Um, but I love it. It's actually, um, it is a sports anime, but they do balance the whole fact that they're also salary men um, really good. well. <laughs> love it. <laughs> um, and the animation is so good for the badminton scenes, especially. Oh my gosh. Um, they, they illustrate all the details really well. The, the hits feel like swift, but powerful, you know? Um, and the story I like as well. Um, it's not like, a super over the top like emotional story or whatever it's it's about you know adjusting to company life but also playing a sport <laughs> essentially <laughs> um and so it has aspects of both like a sports anime and also like office work life um so it's pretty charming in that respect and they have like lots of little tiny humorous moments too um which are cute and they add like charm to the characters like one of the characters is like um, he he like has like like essentially he comes back from almost getting fired by the company, um, and so the rest of the team is like, oh well, since you're back, you should treat us to stuff, right? And then the main character, who is pretty like, he's he's like the Kageyama type where he's very like focused on the sport, otherwise he's pretty withdrawn, you know, socially anyway. Um. He just very quietly thinks to himself, I want a hundred gotcha pools <laughs> as my oh reward my for you coming back. <laughs> <laughs> and it just comes out of nowhere. <laughs> it just the show every now and then just has little moments like that where it 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 you know defines and, and characterizes um the sports team or the, the sports members and um it just brings up it's it's its own little charm. So I like it a lot. Um I'm excited to Finish the anime. Um, and then lastly, I watched Sayuki Reload Zeroing, um, which is still, I'm still like shell shocked that we got more Sayuki in 2022. <laughs> yeah, it's been a weird decade for like all the sudden revivals, huh? <laughs> yeah, really, really strange, but I, I liked it a lot. Um, it wasn't like as budget cut. E as like orphan for example when we were watching that oh um, my god <laughs> uh the, the art style in this one was actually um good they they were pretty faithful to the manga artist but also like made the art like really colorful and poppy um uh the story itself was good it like plays up some of like one of the characters who's up until this point been like a pretty like 
in the shadows, mysterious guy, but now he finally confronts the main party. Um, it introduces some compelling new characters, which is fun because for the most part, the show is about the main four cast, right? The Sanzo party. So the fact that they introduced some pretty like big central characters into the story is, is a pretty um pretty big move on the story's part, which is mostly about like the journey to the West vibes. Um and nice, yeah, I'm nice. I'm really hoping that they do more. <laughs> I want I want more <laughs> Listen, we can only hope. <laughs> I've been watching or I've been keeping up with the series like odd enough since like high school and they're still going and it's like, well, Jesus if you're still Christ. going, please animate more. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like the I feel yeah. like the last couple of years has been really weird for yeah. like sudden sequ- like sudden sequels to anime that you thought like wouldn't get any more content ever. Like Sayuki and um right. uh, Full yeah. Metal Panic. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh we got we got news that like there was a new Haroi novel being released. Oh <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It's 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 weird. It's a weird it's crazy. decade. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> I agree. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's it. <laughs> All right. Cool. Um, yeah. I, I don't have anything more to say about the season. Um, I feel like it has been a little while since we've uh, had, a, had a big, long episode um, with a lot to say. Um, and that may have something to do with all of the time that I took off to rest my brain. <laughs> Well, we also, I would say this season, even though we only had like a handful of things that we decided to keep up with, the handful of things that we did keep up with, um, especially like Princess Connect, Ranking of Kings, Demon Slayer, and My Dress Up Darling were like so well animated, like mind-blowingly well animated. It was absolutely crazy. Yeah, Um, anime looks too good now. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know how the next season is going to look, um, but you know... I'm I'm happy with what we kept up with this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there are actually a couple more shows that uh, at least we're gonna sample than um, than we were going to uh, last season. Uh, but we definitely have um, definitely have some stuff to to watch. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, we've watched. Uh, just to give you a little spoiler, um, we have watched. One episode of the world of Otome games is tough for mobs. Um, one episode of Aharen-san is indecipherable. That one was pretty cute and funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and one episode of your boy Kongming, which... Um, oh my god, show, I can't wait to talk about that show. <laughs> chef's, chef's fucking kiss, that show bangs. I love that show. That show is so fucking funny. <laughs> Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll uh, mm-hmm. we'll be back um, mm-hmm. soon to mm-hmm. talk about the spring 2022 Yay. season. Um, so definitely be on the lookout for that. That'll yes, come out yes, whenever yes. it's ready, which I mean, God. <laughs> 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 always, always. It, it's like I, I'm like I have like cycles of like have to record a lot of podcasts, have to do a lot of other work, have to record a lot of podcasts, have mm-hmm. to do a lot of other work. Um, seasonal stuff is hard to keep up with. Oh, let me yeah. tell you. Yep. <laughs> but uh yeah, so I guess uh keep on the lookout for that and we're uh gonna wrap up here now. Um Yeah. So uh who are you? Where can we find you on the internet? 
I am Randu, also known as Swan. You can find me on Instagram at swan.drawn. You can find me on Twitter and Tumblr, Facebook, Twitch, all that at swan.drawn. I will not be streaming next weekend because I will be at SakuraCon. So if you guys are in the Seattle area, please. And you got a ticket at SakuraCon because it's sold out. <laughs> please drop by our table. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would love to meet you. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> what about you? Nice. Uh, you can find me all the places at Literal Soup. Um, I have been um, not doing as much streaming as I wanted to be doing, but I will probably get back to it soon. Uh, I really want to continue playing um, Pokemon Legends of Arceus, and I want to continue. I want. I want to finish Yakuza Three. Um, Let's go. <laughs> I think I'm like maybe two-thirds through the game maybe mm. um but i i had to drop it a little while ago just because uh we had to go through some um just like changes in terms of like you know i moved out of my parents house and all that kind of stuff and um the normal crew that we have uh, had accrued um we all have different schedules now so it's it's hard to get everyone together but anyway mm. um yeah i would i would love to <clears throat> i'd love to get that back uh rolling um, I think probably uh, it's most likely that you'll see that sometime at the uh, like mid June, I would say. But I really want to, I, I do really want to get back and, and finish it. Yeah. Um, other than that, like you know, you can find me on my weekly streams. Um, the Saturday one where I do Ace Attorney with Renu, and then the Sunday one where I uh, rank D and D to uh, subclasses. Uh, we do a tier list, and that's pretty fun. We did. Uh, we just finished Paladins, and we're about to do Rangers, and Ooh. hopefully that's pretty. Um, that goes pretty well. Um, yeah, I think it probably will not be this week, which I guess is today. If the episode goes out on time, no promises. <laughs> um, yeah, I God, what what is even the point of talking about scheduling stuff? It doesn't matter. This episode <laughs> probably comes out. Nothing matters. <laughs> Nothing matters. Um, but yeah, that's where you can find me. Um, mm. And uh, yeah. So our opening is by Scotty Network and our ending is by Takamakata and the patrons we are thanking this week, month, episode. Episode, that's the word. <laughs> our schedule has gotten so weird. Anyway, the patrons we are thanking this episode are Evan Williams, Magpie Mirror Test, Claire, Frostfall, Shandau, uh, Cherubel, and Dylan Boats. Thank you so much Thank you. for your contributions <laughs> to our podcast. Um, especially because now the um, the uh, Funimation Crunchyroll merger has gone through. So now all of the stuff is airing on Crunchyroll Except for a couple of shows, which are now on High Dive. So now I guess we have so to pick strange. up a High Dive subscription up, yeah. again. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, I, I I, don't know. I don't know what's going on. But, um, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, you are sustaining the podcast with your contributions. <laughs> and for that, I could not be more grateful. So mm. thank you. Thank you so much. Thank um, you. Yeah. And I guess I think the next episode is going to be the, the sampler. So look forward to that. Um, after that, we have another episode planned. Um, I guess another quote unquote proper episode, which is 
Which would be any episode that's not like a seasonal episode. We do a lot of these seasonal episodes just because um, it's like the thing to do, right? You want to know what, what cool anime is airing. But yeah, we will, uh, in that case, see you next time. See you next ね。